are. Now let's come up with a story. I know what loss is. Your parents loved you so, so much. In a way, they'll always be here. Welcome to the Cinemondo Podcast with Kathy, Mark, and Burke, talking about movies, horror, sci-fi, unusual, unknown, forgotten, underappreciated, always interesting. How is everyone? I'm fabulous. I love this time of year so much. It's fall. <laughs> it's Halloween. It's so great. Starting to get cool. Oh, I love it. Yeah. It felt like a fall. It felt like a fall day today here in Los Angeles. Yeah. I took a long walk this morning. I was like, oh yeah, you know, ready for some apple cider donuts, anything food wise. <laughs> oh god, I want to get some of those. I just went to Traders and I did not pick up the donuts, which I love. Ah, why not? Were you trying to be good? No, yes. Are, so oh, stupid. Oh, I'm just gonna make on. another trip and get them. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I bother. This, this is when you have apple cider donuts. <laughs> You're loud. It's fall. It's Halloween. It's time to have those donuts from Trader Joe's. My wife is baking cookies at this very moment. Are they pumpkin spice? They have to be because it's October. I think they're oatmeal that's something. The, that's the rule. <laughs> oatmeal something I should bake some other. cookies. I should do that. We I made some banana bread the other weekend because I had a bunch of really old bananas. Love mm. that. You know, food thing I just figured out, this has nothing to do with baking or anything, but I just thought of this because I thought, how did I not know this my whole life? How do you guys cut avocados? <laughs> Have you oh. ever done that? You, you, you cut it the, uh, sort the... of, you know, you cut it around the pit, you know, sort of whatever, horizontally, and then you sort of twist it. And then, you know, it comes apart. One side's going to have the pit in it. The other side's not going to have the pit in it. And then how do you, what do you do after that to get well, that avocado? Well, I, I, I have an avocado slicer thing that kind of goes in and slices it and then also knocks out the uh, the pit. So, but aside from that, you just kind of square it with a knife. 
Let me tell you this. I get a quarter-inch drill bit and drill a hole into the pit and put a firecracker <laughs> into it. it. <laughs> um, this seems so obvious, and it's so much better because I feel like when I do that, I have the avocado scooper too. Hello, everyone. The Cinnamondo cookie <laughs> um, is. Uh, I would take the scooper and there's always extra in there because you can't scoop it exactly right, you know, and then you kind of scoop it again and you have kind of the little dregs. Yeah. If you cut the avocado in half, like you said, and then you slice it inside the skin still, just slice the avocado with the skin still on it, you peel that skin off. It is the perfect piece of avocado with no waste. I feel like the dumbest person in the world that I didn't know how to do that. I saw an article in New York Times, a chef saying this is how you cut avocados, and I'm like, huh? Yeah. That's so you, you so you split it like you normally do, yeah. or you cut it, and then you could just peel the avocado skin off the avocado, yes. and it comes off? comes off. And you know what's really cool? You know, there's like the little draggy, like a brown part. It mm-hmm. sticks to the skin, so when you're peeling it, you only get the good part of the avocado, and you get the entire avocado, and it's perfect. Mm. Oh, the brown. <laughs> I was like, so everyone, thank you. You're welcome for uh, <laughs> introducing you to the proper way to cut avocados. We sound so California right now. I know. But the brown, the brown part's my favorite uh, part. Lies. <laughs> so I just thought I would share that, <laughs> since we're talking about food. Well, that's a good segue into the to the uh, show that we're going to talk about. Actually, There's it kind of is the, actually. Um, yeah, can go ahead and make that connection. I'm going to make that connection. You know, there's this show on Netflix right now. Speaking of avocado, our favorite directors, Mike Flanagan, is called The Haunting of Bly Manor. It's a sequel to The Haunting of Hill House, and it has the most fabulous kitchen I've ever seen. <laughs> That's what I want. Very well done. (laughs) And episode seven is titled How to Peel an Avocado. That's right. And they have a whole sequence about how ghosts use avocados. It's one of those one-offs. It's one of those one-offs. It's just like a different thing, you know. (laughs) But they do talk a lot about food in the show. It's very weird. Mm. Um, But I, you know, the one of the highlights is just them sitting around in the kitchen. There's always good stuff happening in there. And, and they have a, a chef. There's a guy who makes really good food, and yeah, he's he's an Indian guy who makes incredible food. He's very he's one of my favorite characters. Yeah, he's kind of a good. He's uh, everybody in the show is. It's a really good cast. I really like the cast. At first, I was thinking they were they they seem to be a little bit like right in line with the expected tropes of such a film or or a show, and um, the uh, but then they sort of. They sort of become their own people over the course of it. At first, I was a little bit like, okay, I know what he is. I know what she is. I know what he is, you know. Mm-hmm. But well, then they sort of reveal themselves in the they show. Start, we're starting off with basically, a, a, like, we're starting basically with a, a gothic mansion, this yeah. beautiful mansion, two little sort of creepy kids, and a nanny who's coming to take care of them. I mean, I love the setup. I always love that where people are going to an, a big mansion, you know, and they come in and they're the stranger, odd man out, and they come into this family and you just don't know what's going to happen. I think that's fantastic. So we start with that. And she's not just a little bit outcast. She's an American, you know, which is... American with problems. Yeah. <laughs> with, with, she has her own ghost. Right. It's kind of haunting her, which is a really weird, modern, creepy ghost. Very strange. Yeah. And you really well done. And to me, I really loved it because it was so not what I expected to see, where it's a silhouette with these bright, round, glowy eyes. Like puka eyes. Right. It was creepy. It, it reminded me of puka. 
you know, yes. uh, headlights and all that kind of stuff. So it was very creepy. So I loved that because I thought it was really modern, and I didn't expect the modern and this sort of gothic feeling show. And it turns well, out to be very related to Puka in a strange way, without yes, giving yeah, anything absolutely. away. The reasons and all were are very similar for for an appearance aspect of it well the show is based on uh henry james's uh, novel a novel of the turn of the screw which is a 19th century story but this is set in 1987 so there is this weird sort of time thing where you go well it feels very gothic feels very 19th century but it's taking place in 1987 so that's just kind of an odd thing you know there's some 80s, 80s music played like you know soft cell and yeah. some other stuff um higher love by uh, steve <laughs> winwood so so that it, it kind of puts you off a little bit in the sense like it, oh this feels very much like your classic sort of you know victorian story because the set is that but it's it's more it's not modern but it's from our lifetimes or most of our lifetimes mm-hmm. anyway yeah, it's it's modern in 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 some ways as far as relationships between people that wouldn't have you wouldn't have seen in a 50s or 60s movie. And it's it's also I, I mean it has a feel, it takes place in the 80s, so it has kind of this vibe of an 80s horror film, you know, as far as mm-hmm. the types of characters. When the nanny shows up, she's really kind of naive and, you know, like not really uh not really the sort of street savvy american she's sort of like the white the, the sort of almost stereotype of the kind of wide-eyed naive american who you know doesn't really understand the british upper crust or whatever and which is kind of funny in, in a little bit because the little kids and her are fun together the, the kids are so overwhelmingly British, you know, the little girl is like, uh, you know, what is the thing she keeps saying? It's like Very perfectly splendid. Perfectly splendid. It you was know, cute. Mary Poppins. At first, I was like, oh, and then I'm like, oh, I love that. <laughs> well, the kids are great in this. I mean, kids the are kids. Great. The kid, the little boy who plays Miles is especially amazing. He yeah. had some heavy lifting. Yeah, he did. Yeah. And it's uh, the kid actors can destroy things. You know, if you I get was the, worried when I saw that. Yeah. And kids to me, I mean, I'm not scared by kids in in horror films. Scary kids to me are either sort of ridiculous or they're um, overdone or, you know, it's like makeup and scary faces and stuff. And I'm not scared of little made up kids. But there's a few there's a few times when scary kids are done correctly. Like, you know, Village of the Damned is a good one. Those kids were great. And of course, the you know the kid in The Exorcist and um, the yeah, kids in in The Innocents yeah. and the kids in The Others, which is a sort of recent film, the Nicole Kidman film. Those kids were really good. So there are some good, you know, creepy kids in uh, horror entertainment, and I think these kids fall into the category of good creepy kids in horror entertainment. <laughs> well, what's so funny about them is that they were, and let's let's call them out. So it's Benjamin Evan Ainsworth as Miles Wingrave, and then we have um, Amelia B. Smith as Flora Wingrave, and so yeah. they're the little kids who are in the mansion that need uh, a nanny right. or an au pair. Yeah. Um, they they start off. What I liked about how the show started is it starts off as the classic gothic story. And the kids are kind of creepy, and they're very quirky. And then you know everything seems kind of set. You're very comfortable with it. You kind of feel like, okay, I know what's going on here. You know, you're like, I get it, I get it. And then I feel like as the show goes on, the kids get a lot less creepy, and you start kind of liking the kids. And the show starts 
getting like kind of starting veering off for what you thought it was going to be right. so that's what i think is kind of fun about it is you you think you have it down you're like well they could do nine nine episodes of this and then they go Whoo, they take this left turn and then you you realize that now we got mike flanagan kind of bringing it yeah <laughs> he sort of lulls you a little bit with the beauty and the 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 britishness of it and the politeness and the quirky cool diverse cast and you're like this is a really cool show and then they yeah and, you know, as always, Flanagan brings in this incredible emotional depth to the story and to the characters. Like, there's a, always this element of tragedy underneath it. There's a really tragic kind of love story. And it's not even, it turns out, you know, the love story is this whole other thing that, yeah. you know, isn't even what you expect. You know, it, it, I love when he does that because you're, you are invested in the characters. You aren't at first because you think these are just cardboard cutouts and then they just take it. So it really does end up growing and, and deepening as it goes. Yeah. Well, I'll, first I'll say the cast is uniformly good. I mean, not just the, not just the kids, but Victoria Pedretti who plays Danny, and she was in the a lot of the same actors that were in Flanagan's the uh, you know the Haunting of Hill House are in this, and she's one of them. Uh, Oliver Jackson Cohen is another one who you remember from the Invisible Man, who's you know invisible through most of that. But yeah, he's, uh, <laughs> I don't remember what he looked like. <laughs> And Tania Miller, who I've never seen before as Hannah Gross, is quite good. She was good. great. Yeah, she's a really interesting and character. And Raul too. Coley as Owen Schwarma, the uh, the chef. I totally loved him. He was adorable. <laughs> yeah. And Rebecca Jessel was played by Tyria Sherry, who I haven't seen before either. So a really great cast, really well Did you call it Oliver Jackson? Um, yeah, Oliver, Oliver Jackson. Cohen. Cohen Peter Quinn. Yeah, he was in Haunting of Hill House. Yes, he played. A bunch the, of these uh, people were. Yeah. No, it's exactly it's Victoria Pedretti. Oh, so good. She's really good. So I love good. her in her her mom jeans. Um, <laughs> and it was so eighties. The yeah. mom jeans with the socks, the big baggy socks, and the white shoes. Um, and another Hen thing Henry we, that's Thomas important to mention because right? it is important is that this is actually a ghost story being told by someone. Right. In the very beginning, we have Carla. Say her name, Mark. Gugino, who we all know from. <laughs> we uh, love. From, uh, yeah, of course, Flanagan's Gerald's Game. She was great in that. And a bunch of De Palma films and stuff. But she's sort of take, telling the story and is the narrator. She's the young Jamie who was the, uh, who was the groundskeeper. Well, isn't Henry right? Thomas in this too? Isn't Henry Thomas uncle? Yeah, Henry Thomas plays the uh, plays uh, plays the uh, uncle. You know, Henry, the uh, the one. You know, the sort of the standoffish drunk uh, barrister in London. Doesn't I loved him. Yeah, it was like Henry Thomas doing that was really funny. Yeah, um, and he yeah, was well, in the it starts as like of... it's basically Carla telling the story, this ghost story that she knows, and she tells it to this wedding party. She's at like this this re you know this uh, rehearsal dinner. So we have her voiceover, her doing a British accent. I thought it was a little, I just want to say it's a little strange that the entire voiceover by someone who's not actually British doing the British accent, but okay. It was a good one, but still, it seems a little, <laughs> a little bit strange. But I love seeing her. I would like to have seen her more. I was hoping she'd be in it more. But so as you're, you sort of forget as you're watching it that this is actually a story someone's telling and you don't know whether you should believe this person or not. That's an important thing too. It's like this is a narrator reliable or not we're not sure so as we're hearing this stuff we're hearing this point of view that we're like is it fiction is it fact is it true is it not so that's another important little element yeah i think her narration is actually really good the way she it does it it's she has that sort of i mean i know she's putting on the accent but she's doing it really well and she's adding this certain kind of gravitas to it and it made me think of to kill a mockingbird you know i mean i know that's the, the ultimate narration that just 
you know pulls at your heartstrings but i think she i think she kind of puts some some depth to the narration because when it comes when the narr- you kind of forget about the narration and then every once in a while it'll come back in and it's like oh the, yeah this is we're watching a story you know and it's kind of a cool effect where like you were saying about the unreliable narrator it's like if you're if you have a narrator and the narr- and the narrator is describing things that you're seeing you you know like you said you don't know are we watching what she thinks happened or what she did she make up the story you know it's it's inter- it's an interesting element in the story to have the narration pop up every once in a while and well, it lends itself to that gothic feel of a very, yeah. the very formal way she's speaking and the, the, the way the voice it comes around kind of framework the whole show. I love how it brings it even more into that gothic realm. Like, yeah. you really do feel like you're almost watching an older movie. Right. Well, the, the interesting thing, it's, it's, it's a 10-episode series, right? Is it 10 episodes or nine? I can't remember. Nine. Nine. Okay, oh. so I've watched the first five. I've not watched the last four. So, um for me, when she's talking, she's you know telling this story. She's not in every single scene that she's telling, right? She's talking about stuff that she was she could never have been there to 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 experience, you know, when uh, people are talking and and her character isn't there, right? I mean, she's telling a story. Okay, so she's telling her story. Okay. Okay, I just want to make sure that's right in my, in my head. Because I have, I mean, we can talk about, you know, I've watched five episodes. I'm having a tough time sort of working my way into this show. I find it really, really slow. And although I love the way it's acted, I love the way it's mounted. It looks great. It's Mike Flanagan. Uh, I'm just going, you know, I'm just waiting for stuff to happen. And I'm not that engaged in these characters. I don't find them as intense or as exciting or interesting as some of his other stuff. So I'm just like, what's going on here? And then episode five comes and all this stuff happens. I'm still going, okay, what's happening here? So maybe that is answered as we, you know, I do the last four. So I can't, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, reserve my full judgment until I watch the whole show. But I'm really sort of like questioning what is going on in the show. And maybe We're not I'm, really supposed to know at that point. Okay. Well, the narration is um, Carla Gugino, right? Right. Yeah. And she plays apparently a character plays, older Jamie. Yeah. And Jamie is the gardener. Right. So we're we're um and the, the Amelia Eve actually plays uh present day, I guess or 80 not present day, 80s version of her. So yeah, I mean why you have to also ask why is she telling the story? Yeah, good point. It makes you wonder who survived, right? Yeah, like what's yeah. and she seems a little bit traumatized or something at the beginning right well the thing i think um i i guess i don't i don't agree that it's that slow i mean i think it's a slow burn for sure i mean it's not it's not quite as big bombastically as haunting of hill house who had that had probably more like the big set pieces almost in every episode they had some crazy insane thing even though i feel like even the haunting of hill house you felt a little lulled and then right in the middle, they had that episode actually based on the same character, Vic, Victoria Perdretti <laughs> portrayed. I don't know why I can't say names. <laughs> but, but they had that spectacular episode right in the middle where you tell her story that completely turns the show like, whoa, fuck, you know, all of a sudden becomes a different kind of show. Does right. the same thing in this. So I feel like we it's a little more leisurely. It's like I said, it feels like an old gothic horror, you know, not horror. It feels like an old gothic ghost story. 
very safe, very low key. A couple little jolts that I thought were effective. I, I mean, like I said, I loved her, you know, her her ghost that was kind of haunting her that she was trying to escape by coming to this place. I thought that stuff was very cool. It worked for me. Um, yeah. And then the mysterious characters, I feel like they're all hiding something. You don't know what's going on. It feels very strange. I liked the uh, the idea that there were lots of secrets about to be revealed. And then to me, that sort of just light suspense that, well, we're going to learn more. It wasn't about the big, exciting stuff that was what happened. It was about the little moments. And that's what I think Flanagan does really well. And I loved the whole dynamic of Peter Quint and Rebecca. Mm. That whole thing, just loved it. I thought he he modulated that performance perfectly as like this completely charming, gorgeous, you know, this go-getter guy that sweeps her off her feet, you know, the the nanny before Danny comes in. Um, and then you find out he's a little sinister. He's got some abuse problems. You know, he's kind of abusing her, mentally abusing her. And then he would charm her back because he's just, you know, he has these puppy dog looks. He, he does that so perfectly to me. I was loving that. That his whole storyline to me was spectacular. You guys are about to be very like cool with that one, I think. Um, so that stuff, that whole, that whole backbone of the story is basically that love story. That were that you're you're just almost barely getting introduced to in these first episodes, but I feel like that whole thing gets into a really cool place that I almost wish they'd gone even deeper into. Well, um, I don't want to give anything away because the show really, it really relies a lot on what you don't know, and when it happens, it's this big reveal. You're like, oh, that was cool, you know. Just and it's not even like whoa, big reveal. It's like little creepy, like oh my god, that's kind of major, you know. <laughs> so I really loved how they they played a lot of this. There's some great yearning and and sadness and tragedy and and then there's episode eight which you'll be getting to which is this whole completely you know almost like episode eight of twin peaks the return where it's just this completely standalone crazy episode that's really good that basically tells you all you need to know oh okay (laughs) So, so once you get to that you know so when you look at the show as a whole you have the slow burn in the beginning where it's lulling everyone into their gothic kitty, creepy kid ghost story. And then it turns it on its head. Episode five, you're like, what the hell is happening? Is this sci-fi? What's going on? And then it gets deeper into the whole tragedy and the relationships and what everyone's doing there and, you know, why they're there. And, you know, the whole dynamic with Henry Thomas's character, you know, it just, it gets more and more complicated. Yeah. And then it has, you know, the beautiful emotional, you know, Mike Flanagan, you know, endings you know that always bring in the heartstrings you know (laughs) so even hill house you know had that kind of an ending um so we it's pure flanagan really (laughs) well Well, let me ask you about uh you know episode five which i just finished watching um can we talk about what was going on that or is that are we spoiling it by we talking about episode five on this um we can talk i mean it is a spoiler probably um i think i I have just one question about yeah well, we can, we can what what is happening? <laughs> it's like I'm that's all I want to know. What what? <laughs> so that's not that's not a spoiler. Those questions question. are too hard. I'm leaving. <laughs> I felt the same um, way though. I felt like I was missing something or that something. You know, I mean, we've all seen. It's basically, I mean, not being too spoilery, but there's a character who is a, evidently appears to to be sort of unstuck in time. One of those characters who is. Um, and, and what's interesting is at the very beginning of the series, that character is often um, sort of 
staring distracted oblivious and Mm -hmm. when you first see her or when the when the new nanny danny arrives and sees her she's looking down a well and she's looking and she and then she's like oh i'm sorry i was a million miles away Mm -hmm. um good to meet you you know like and she keeps doing that and she also another thing that i don't know if it's come in yet as an element but she never eats right she's always yeah. At the yeah. table, and aren't you eating? She and she's eat. like, no. Nope, and she sees cracks in the wall. Yeah, a very All specific shape of a crack, which reminds yeah, me of that Doctor crack. Who, that Doctor Who story. <laughs> where yeah, there was a literal yeah. crack between the dimensions and all that. Yep. So you're kind of wondering, is she is she falling through the cracks and going right. back and forth between here and there? And mm-hmm. and But then what's interesting is that there are characters, she, she seems to be going back through experiences that she's already had and like reliving things as, as opposed to as opposed to just jumping around in time, um, she's actually aware of it, you know. So, and and the characters who are with her in those jump around in time moments are aware of it too. She'll say, "Are we gonna? We have to do this again?" And the other character will say, "Yes, I, I believe we have to do this again," you know. And it almost feels like someone's watching them, like monitoring the scene that's playing out or something Mm -hmm. it's very strange it's very creepy i i thought it was fantastic i felt like you've been lulled so long in the episode five happens you're like whoa what's happening you know and then you feel like okay show's taking off right now (laughs) it's about to do some weird shit (laughs) but it does yeah it's a completely uh you know reimagined um turn of the screw or the innocence you know it's (laughs) it's you know if you haven't seen the Innocents from 1961 with uh, Deborah Kerr, you know, that's a, that is a classic film. That's a very gothic film. You know, it's a real, um, you know, nanny comes to take care of a couple of kids and the kids are great. There's like, we talked in, about it on a past episode. Yeah. yeah. We had an episode about it and the others. I think we talked about them on the same episode, but there's yeah. another, about the creepy kids. There's, <laughs> the an, there's another movie that a lot of people haven't seen from, you know, The Innocents came out in 1961, but then in uh, 1971, there was a movie called The Nightcomers with, um, you know, it was directed by Michael Winner and it's got uh, Marlon Brando and Marlon Brando plays Quint. And it's sort mm-hmm. of a, it's a, it's a prequel to The Innocents. So it goes into the whole story of Quint as this really bad influence on the kids and, mm-hmm. you know, gives the little boy a lighter and all these things. And, and just like uh, in this. Yeah. And he has this obsessive kind of um affair thing you know with the you know you got to watch it it's a it's a pretty good movie it's a, but it's a slow burn you know it's something i think mike flanagan was probably inspired by the yeah not i don't like to use the word slow but the sort of uh, pensive meditative feeling of a an older film you know you get like in 70s horror films i think one of the reasons that i love them so much and they're so effective is that it lets you know the filmmakers sort of let you live in that space a little bit mm-hmm. there's not a whole lot of rapid cutting and and mm-hmm. uh, you know cutting from here to there and and you know switching scenes and you know crazy rapid action type stuff you get these sort of moments where you feel you get a sense of the environment and that's one thing about the Bly Bly Manor is that you at this point I'm five episodes in like Mark but I know the layout of the house I know what's in the front door I know which where you go when you go up the stairs I know how the gardens are laid out in the front and where the little church is you know and you feel like you know the grounds I know where the sculpture garden is you know 
And when you know the these things in the lake, yeah. but scary lake. And the, but the cool thing about that psychologically is if you that when you know the layout of a of a space in a film, like when you know the geometries of a of a space, then when somebody's walking somewhere or going somewhere, walking down some stairs, you know that place. You know where they're going and. When they're walking across the grounds towards another building, you know what's in that building. You know, it's it yeah. puts you and how there. long it takes to get there and what and it how, feels like to go to that building. And, and what happened there before. Om, yeah, you're a true omniscient viewer. You yeah. Know, like you're there going, I know, okay, she's going to go light a candle in the church, you know, because that's what Hannah does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I but think, there's some so. movies that you watch where they're so rapid. There's so much rapid editing and and cross cutting that's disorienting. Where you just don't you don't ever get a sense of where you're just in a big house. You're in the big manor. Yeah, it feels like and, a bunch of hallways with doors. Yeah, and you're running <laughs> down another hallway, and you don't get the relationship of where your room is compared to the foyer or the living room or the the kitchen or. And I think when you have a sense of where things take place in a film you feel like you're there you feel more connected to the to the place i think that's a i think it's a really good thing to do in a film <laughs> i think he's yeah. that's one of his strengths flanagan's strengths is even though i don't think he directed every episode you get a sense of everything just the first one first one haunting of hill house you know that great scene from the when it went from uh you know the uh the funeral home to a, to the to the other home it was just great i just yeah. like he knows what he's doing there. So and that's so important for suspense or for any storytelling. Yeah. I just personally wish it took uh, it got there a little, a little bit quicker. So I can see a lot of people going episode three like, eh, I don't know if I can keep going on this. Cause I don't know good. anyone who said that. <laughs> but well, I, I, was almost I, me. Say, <laughs> I felt that way a little bit, to be honest. Um, but I think, you know, the thing is, this is Flanagan is never interested, I think, in the overt horror. He's always interested in what's happening underneath, why it's happening, the emotional, you know, justifications and reasons for why people are doing horrific things and i think that slow burn at the beginning and getting to know these kids is kind of seeing the evolution of uh, like how you view them and their reasons you know all of a sudden you're kind of you know they're kind of driving home points of why the kids are the way they are why they do these little weird quirky things you know what certain reactions and certain things they say what they mean and all of that comes down to you're just digging deeper and deeper down into the emotional crux of why this house is what it is why the people are there what people are doing why they're doing that and you know why Danny's even there. Like, so I feel like you, everyone that comes in there has some sort of emotional baggage. And I think that's where Michael Flanagan is most interested in putting his attention. Granted, that's not always the most exciting thing to watch. (laughs) It's like one of those things of like, you just watch it going, I'm just going to let this pay off, you know, I'm gonna slow, and you know, I'm trying to set up because you're right. You're, you were at episode three and you're like, well, this is kind of slow and repetitive. And I feel like we're just seeing these kids in this house and they're torturing the nanny. And, uh, you know? <laughs> but I think if you, if you're looking for the clues and especially just like in haunting Hill house, if you're looking in the background of scenes, you will see some weird shit. Yeah. Like you'll see the creepy ghosts, the silhouettes, the, the weird right. shapes, the, and they'll all, makes sense later and so that's what i think so cool is that every little stupid little moment that's happening behind that you don't even notice is something that matters and what's also cool is the the mirror from the oculus which is another michael flanagan film is actually in the house yeah (laughs) which is very cool i wonder oh that's cool yeah Yeah. it's also in haunting and house that's like becoming a thing i guess (laughs) so but there's there's other things too that that I at where I am in the series haven't been answered yet like the muddy footprints I think are were sort of answered a little bit but that's kind of a thing that it's it happens and you just you know they're saying oh it's the kids the kids go out and walk through the mud and come track the And then mud I'm like the why does no one care that kids are going out in the middle of the night walking yeah. around the mud that should be a problem 
Yeah. <laughs> but it's what's wrong with these people? <laughs> it's slow. It's slowish. You know, it's got that slow vibe to it. But you know, it, it, to me, stories like that 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 kind of take their time, revealing things and letting you get to feel the presence of the characters is it's i don't want to say this too emphatically but i think it's a little bit it you know the meter of film and literature it kind of leans towards reading you know mm-hmm. <laughs> like reading a book you know we spend a lot of time reading a book you know how, however long it takes you to read one novel one sort of horror novel for instance is a lot longer than it takes you to read uh, i mean to watch a film so you spend more time in that world when you read a book and uh, i think a lot of filmmakers kind of want to find that somehow without without being boring you know and i also want that too like think about it too we're now in a, a point in entertainment where we want long form entertainment again like yeah. it used to be tv and the the you know episode after episode was just kind of like a throwaway and people want to go to movies and they have their big movie and their hour and a half of escape i now want more than a movie i want right. like i wanted 20 episodes of this i wanted it to take as long as it needed because think about it the others and the innocence and movies like that those were an hour and a half, you know. Yeah. Now we have that same story in nine episodes. Right. So we get this long, slow journey, you know, to this understanding of these characters and their tragedies and their secrets, but it's nine episodes of it. And that's what I want. <laughs> but it is long. <laughs> so a lot of times a short story that was a very tight, cool ghost story movie, it takes a little it could maybe stretch people's patience a little bit. Yeah, we're definitely in the era of the binge right now, you know, binge mm-hmm. viewing and and uh like you know, my wife and I sit there sometimes we're watching we're like you want to watch one more? Yes. I'm like yeah, one more. <laughs> it's it's only 3 a.m. We can watch one more. <laughs> and um we watch one more and then it was and then something has happened in there. It's like well, we should just go ahead and watch another one. We we need to watch one more. I mean, it's I already four in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, you know, I, I understand what everybody's saying here. I just, <laughs> either something catches me or it doesn't catch me. And that's just, it is what it is. You know, maybe it has to do with this kind of setting is not usually my milieu that I yeah. love. That I, like, I, you know, Downton Abbey, that kind of stuff. I just find it boring. Like, right. people will find something else. So it was just like, oh, my God, it just was too slow for me. So, uh, you know, I loved episode five. I'm, sh- I'm sure Flanagan will deliver the last four episodes and, uh, you know, all those questions will be answered. I just was like, I really, you know, half the time episodes two and three, I'm like, oh, I kept looking, oh, 40 minutes, 30 minutes, you know, you never want to do that. I felt the same I, way a little bit. Sorry, it was just the way I felt. Yeah. To be honest, I you felt like that with the first <laughs> Well, I, I want to love Flanagan. I like everything he did. Dr. Yes. Sleep is okay, but everything else was great. This one just fe- felt, at least the first four episodes, felt for me like a misfire. Like something, he stubbed his toe here. I think to me, like Turn of the Screw is a tough thing to turn into a movie anyway. Yeah. Because uh, it's a novella. It's very skimpy characters. I've read it many times. It's not like it's very, he's got to flesh the characters out. And they're not as complex compelling to me like danny is not as compelling as some of the characters in some of his other films they're just not you know like i like hannah i like owen they're nice people but i'm not compelled to their storyline i don't care about his father his mother dying it doesn't matter to me you know (laughs) so it's just that's just the way i felt i said i wish i cared more about the characters because i love everything else about it i love the way it looks everybody's acting great there's cool scares but if i don't care about the characters i lose interest 
So my first impression them, was worry. that it just okay. wasn't. Um, my first well, I also feel like Haunting of Hill House, I think, was a lot easier to get into. I thought the characters were a lot more colorful and, and dramatic, Absol- and the actors absolutely. were so great. And Timothy Hutton was so tragic. And, you know, it's like that that was juicier. You know, it's like it was modern day. We had, like, you know, addiction problems. We had, you know, I mean, all kinds of issues that were just ah, like it was it was almost like yelling compared to this movie. Right. So I see why he wanted to take a step back and go, I don't want to make Haunting of Hill House again. I want to go back and, you know, take like this older little story and make this little quiet ghost story that turns into this kind of deeper thing and not be a big, loud movie like Haunting of Hill House. That that's all very valid because, you know, it's not going to be that same movie, which, you know, in a way I was hoping it would be Haunting of Hill House. In the first couple of episodes, I'm like, well, this isn't Haunting of Hill House, that's for sure. And it was slow and small but i enjoyed it you know but then you know it gets good well my impression was that it was about something that i'm not scared of there's so many horror horror films or movies that are supposed to be scary i'm there's certain movies that can can uh, tweak me emotionally and mess with me a little bit which i like i like it when a filmmaker reaches into those places but for me it's just i I see a film and i'm like oh that was easy that was that was an easy choice you know for a scare like you know a bloody hand or something you know like yeah whatever it's not scary it's makeup and you know that and scary kids kids don't scare me and people at the window going you know making scary faces at the window and then moving back into the shadow you know it's like it's like i I don't know it's like unsophisticated to me types of horror and when i first started watching this i thought oh no this is going to be these sort of unsophisticated types of scares you know that's like the the flash of the scary face in the mirror and and the the gasp you know (gasps) when you see somebody outside the window uh, staring in the window and then they disappear into the fog you know those things are just not scary to me to me things that are scary are things that happen that i can imagine happening and if I saw somebody leering inside the window, I would laugh and say, what do you want? What are you doing out there? You know, it just looks comical. <laughs> I would be scared. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. He's pretty cute. I don't know if I'd be scared. Of that. I mean, his um, hair is so nice. He's got like this nice hair and a little vest and he's standing outside yeah. the window. I'm like, sure. it's obviously somebody standing out there. Maybe the, you know, the, the FedEx guy well, or something. I don't where know. Where was he? Hmm, I don't know. Well, that's, that's you know, again, episode five is something I really want to chat with Kathy about off camera. <laughs> yeah. Uh, off well, camera. I almost, I, I don't even really want to chat with you about it because you just have to finish it. Because if I tell you, I'm okay. trying to explain what episode five is, that kind of ruins I'll, it. I'll ruin it. Okay. So, <laughs> but I do want to say, though, I, I feel like this show has its creepy moments and and I feel like more what I felt about it was really sad and it was mostly tragic. And it wasn't like, oh, my God, horrifying. It was more like, oh, my God, that's so fucking horrible. It's so sad. That's the feeling I get from that show at the end. You know, Basically, the, the whole show is, is gearing you up and showing you this horrible tragedy, why things are happening. And it's just sad. <laughs> it's not horrifying. It's more like <laughs> ghosts, when you think about ghosts, are sad. Yeah. There are people who've died. They can't let go. It's like, that's a sad situation. And when you think about why that person might be holding on, it's also very sad. So I think his whole, you know, the whole mechanism of this show is to sort of present itself as a scary show and have scary moments, but ultimately just be really sad. (laughs) And we understand why ghosts are sad. Um, Well, I have a feeling that we have a, a, uh, you know, what's the character? Is the name Oliver? Uh, Oliver's mom. uh, Peter. Oh, oh, uh, no. 
No, oh, it's Owen. The Owen, 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 Owen. Oh, Owen, yeah. I have a feeling we're going to see Owen's mom at some point because there's guilt. <laughs> you know, there's guilt feelings because he was away from her. And, yeah. you know, there's, there's going to be sort of a why you do this to me, Demi moment. And because <laughs> there's, you know, the ghosts in this seem to be about guilt, you know, or somebody feeling like they're responsible for the for the event that led to the creation of a ghost, you know. And I feel like too, like it, I feel like the people, especially in Danny's case, you're almost holding the ghost to you versus the ghost coming at like haunting you. I feel like some people hold on to their ghost. And then the reason the ghost and the person can't find rest is that you won't let them go. And that's sort of also what this show is about. It's not just the other way around. And I will say as the show goes on, you'll see this. My only my only quibble is as it goes along, it starts going into this really cool place, amazing, cool place, incredible concept. And then I feel like they just sort of go away from this really cool concept and do this other thing, which is still good. But I feel like oh, I would wanted to see that. Hmm. So I feel like there's still more story in this amazing sort of um, idea that I don't think I've ever seen before actually brought into a ghost story. Oh, that's good. And I want them to follow through on and they didn't really do that, but I would hmm. like to see that happen. So there was a little bit of that, but then they just kind of were. But it's pretty great. Well, part of me is kind of expecting something. You know, you're expecting something like The Others or Sixth Sense or something, you know. But mm. I don't know where it's going, really. But the thing is, you know, when you when you talk about, like, say you're going to make a ghost story. You want to make a ghost story movie. You have choices on what your ghost can be. Your, your ghost can be a scary, monstery, kind of creepy, vengeful, angry, murderous dangerous ghost that pops out and scares people and looks awful and scary or your ghost can be the you know i just want you to find my bones and bury them in the proper place kind of a ghost you know like the changeling kind of thing and then there's the 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 ghost of the the guilt ghost you know the ghost that you can kind of imagine, you know, the Babadook kind of thing, where mm-hmm. you can kind of imagine that maybe it's not really a ghost. It's just somebody's psychological torment that's manifesting somehow. And then there's the, um, you know, the haunting kind of a ghost where it's your own your own angst and your own, uh, you know, creating a, creating a poltergeist. And then maybe the poltergeist kind of has some sort of an identity or something. But this one so far seems to be those personal demons kind of ghosts mm-hmm. which is always interesting because it involves a lot of t- stories explaining where the personal demons come from but hopefully i mean there's only so far you can go with that kind of thing you know it's like once you know that once you know what you know for instance danny's thing that's tormenting her once you know that is w- once you know what it is it sort of took away some of the um I don't know. It's not scary anymore. You know what I mean? Well, I, I have a feeling that particular storyline is done. I mean, yeah. she dealt with it. I mean, you know, we figured out what happened and flashback, and it's kind of over. I'm, I'm assuming. I could be wrong there. That just feels like it's done. Mm-hmm. And uh, we get a little bit of backstory for her character. So yeah. I'm, I'm excited to watch the last four episodes. I, I trust Kathy, and I trust Mike Flanagan <laughs> yeah. that it'll crank up. Um, I just, uh, you know. I, I'll reserve my judgment. I'll just say it felt like it could have 
amped up a little bit more for me personally my taste we'll do an update when we're done for, <laughs> exactly. we'll have a spoiler only episode where yes. we can talk about yes. the show freely and not have to ruin yes. it for people because yeah. the, the strength and stuff like this is a surprise and I, I i do hate to give reviews ha- after seeing half a movie or half a series yeah it's well really, thing is really i feel like you're appealing fair. to people that maybe have only seen half so far because it's a lot you know, so I feel like, you know, a lot of people haven't quite gotten through it and they're probably wondering, should I keep watching it? And now, you know, they'll know like, well, you know, Mark's sort of felt like he wanted to give up on it, but now he feels compelled to continue. Maybe I should continue. Right. Because <laughs> you have that kind of power. But you watched the whole thing, right, Kathy? <laughs> yes. And you still recommend it. You're like, yes. Yeah. Aside from your one tiny quibble, you're, you're like, this My is worth. My little teeny tiny quibble. <laughs> it's worth yes. following okay <laughs> yeah yes and also you know it, it's it's good to also mention that he brought in some really great directors for each episode it's almost like a director showcase i know that a, a couple of the episodes i think were directed by um the couple that did cargo which was that great zombie movie with martin freeman mm-hmm. um i think he mentioned in his list of great horror movies that we did in a previous um podcast um the Mike Flanagan list of horror movies that we discussed. He uh, mentioned a few of the people on that list. He was going to get to direct Bly Manor. So oh. I haven't double checked to see if he got all those people, but there are some really, I mean, there's like theatrical good people on this list. So there's a reason that the show looks as good as it does. And, and, you know, it's, it looks big budget, but technically, you know, it looks like it was all shot on a set mostly. And I guess it's mostly green, a lot of green screen. And, but you would never know watching it. It looks very filled out, very lived in. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, I'm always amazed actors can do any work in a situation like that. Like, how yeah. do you act like this cool gothic manner when it's basically just a green screen? Like, I'm just blown away by that. Especially yeah. kids. And some people can yeah. do it and some people can't. You know, they you can, can. There's some actors who are really good at seeing, you know, like, I, like if they're supposed to be talking to a character right there that's not really there. They're good at focusing and getting their eye lines right. They're also good at, at appearing as though they are inhabiting a, a space that's not really there. So some Sometimes you get. I think I wonder with people who are going to do a lot of green screen type um, shows, if they do screen tests with people where they put them in situations like that to see how well they do with virtual virtual sets and. Well, I'm sure Flanagan, you know, using a lot of the same actors that he used before because, you know, there was probably a lot of green screen in Hill House and yeah. some of his other films. So he's, I know these people can do this. Right. And I know how to work with these people. So he's sort of like he's getting his whole Mercury Theater together. Yeah. You know, he's got his group of 10 or 12 go to uh, actors to uh, to do the job. And it's interesting because a lot of time, you know, a lot, a lot of British actors play american characters in shows i mean there's tons of them yeah and here it's a kind of the reverse a lot of american actors playing british characters <laughs> yes yeah yeah i know it's very strange and then the, um peter quint character is scottish but that actor who played him is actually british and so he played an american in haunting hill house and now he's playing scottish in this one and so is it <laughs> scottish or scottish irish Brogue is excellent it was oh, you know i had scottish? someone else say it was terrible i'm like you're crazy you don't know what scottish people sound like get out of here <laughs> But yeah, I thought he was really good, and you could only understand him about half the time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that to me is a good Scottish accent. <laughs> but I also want to draw attention to you really fast is that I thought that the opening uh, credits for this is amazing. I loved the, the the portraits, the old oil portraits that then sort of start like like 
like Disneyland. merging into like a big weird you know their yeah. faces start going away and they look kind of rotted i mean i thought that was really beautiful and really old school i love that and i love the music it's old school it reminds me of um so good. haunted mansion the, the portraits <laughs> and you, when you're waiting in line at the haunted mansion yes so funny <laughs> and then i love the music i don't know if it, it might have even been some of the same music cues from haunting of hill house but the music was beautiful mm. so there's those are two great production notes that i just loved yeah it's got a mood Definitely it has does. a mood. It's beautiful. And the thing that's really cool is those portraits all matter later. Oh. <laughs> so, so keep watching that intro because they matter. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. I will stay focused on the last four. Then we'll talk. Then we'll talk again. Post series. That's come right. Back for part two. I, I, I can come with my hosannas, and uh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, was I was so wrong. wrong. I was wrong. They'd be like, I can't believe you made me watch all that. <laughs> I'm tricking all of you. They were just robots the whole time. <laughs> androids again with the androids. <laughs> it's always androids. <laughs> it's a new modern take. Yeah, on ghosts. <laughs> But it's it just is, software, a software glitch. That's all ghosts are. But it is amazing. I, mean, I give a plug to Netflix. They're all the streaming services. How this stuff just pops up, and yeah. it's just this amazing series. Like, there's movies popping up on Netflix. Yeah. You're going, oh, my God, this is something I can watch now? Like, uh, I, I saw The Trial of the Chicago 7. I don't know if oh, you saw yeah. that. It's great. Yeah. Aaron to Sorkin. Watch amazing like, whoa. you know just like this pops up it's there it's like something yeah. 10 years ago you're spending 20 dollars to go see it at the theater it feels like a gift every time i every monday and tuesday when i i always go to shutter.com and check it all these new horror movies then i run over to netflix on fridays because that's when all their new stuff comes out and i'm like ah oh, new stuff i just love it yeah it's every too week, it's it's too much though it's too it's too, too much, much. too much yeah. to watch i start panicking you i'm know? already behind <laughs> Yeah. And then you start getting into things like, you know, you're we all, we all really like the true crime documentaries. It's like, okay, you open that door, yeah. there's another another place, another rabbit hole. You know? mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So, I I give this a hearty thumbs up or okay. whatever we're doing with Cinemato, a big, you know, yay. <laughs> yay. Um and then Mark and Burke will will reserve judgment until the end. Yes, I don't want to give a review until I see the whole <laughs> nine hours. I'm about halfway there. I like it. It's not, you know, it's not totally my cup of tea as far, mm -hmm. you know, as far as uh, horror movies or thinking character, you know, like thriller type character things or, you know, S Stephen King like stuff where you have good characters and crazy supernatural situations. Um, this one's. Not 100% doing it for me, but I, it's enough for, that I want to keep watching it. And it, there's enough interesting things in there to keep my interest as far as wanting to see what happens next. Because there are some unexpected things in this. You know, there's a couple of moments where I went, oh, that that's what that meant. That was yeah. cool. And if that happens like enough, you know, it can drive you through the story. <laughs> I feel like it's fall. It's almost Halloween. It's like we've all been stuck in our houses. What I really wanted was this. I wanted this beautiful, not too scary, emotional, right. gorgeous, well-produced horror series that was just something I could just really just savor and sit down with. It's just the perfect timing. It's there. It's nine episodes of glorious Flanagan. Great. <laughs> so to me, it's like, this is exactly what I wanted right now with our cloudy gray day and, you know, fall here. That's what it's perfect right now for me. <laughs> Who, who's glory Flanagan? <laughs> Shut up. Glory. 
<laughs> Shut up. All right, you. I'm trying to be all emotional, excited. I know. But yeah, so it's it's the season for sure. I, I love your passion for it. So <laughs> I hope I, I hope to join it. No, that's I think one. I'm raising expectations. It's not that great, but it's pretty good. Oh, no, no, don't, don't, don't. It's not all that good. <laughs> you're gonna be like, wow, Kathy, this is great. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> But you know, what? I know what you're saying. It, it no, is very. I love it. It's great. Maybe it's just me. <laughs> I know what you're saying, though. It is very Halloween-ish. You know, it's. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it's really for the kids. I don't know if the kids would get into it because the stories are kind would. of adult. I've watched the first five episodes with Val and with my daughter, my 13 year old daughter, and she was. Uh, she goes, I don't know what's happening. You know, episode right. five. I said, Kid, I don't either. You're not supposed to know. <laughs> so, yes. You're not supposed to know. Yeah. But it, it is it kind of an old one question. One tiny question. But there's a lot more questions. Right. <laughs> so, right. It's kind of yeah, an old so fashioned vibe to it, you know, haunted house vibe mm-hmm. with some modern twists and some modern sort of adult relationship type things. And some, you know, they, there's, they, they go into sort of obsessions and things like that with people, which is part of what, you know, the nightcomers was into these kind of creepy relationships where people, unhealthy relationships, I guess, and bad mm-hmm. influences and someone who's a not, not at first, you don't, you think he's great at first, but then, you know, you think he's like, oh, he's cool. But then you're like, oh, he's manipulating her. He's not a good no, guy. The best part of this. I loved it. Yeah. So good. And those so kind good. of, and her saying, oh, he's, I know he's dangerous, but that's what I but like. That's what I like. Him, you know, and that yeah. kind of thing. You're like, uh oh. She yeah. feels like she's in control. Yeah, right. not true. Right, <laughs> not at all. And he's quite, he's quite good. I think he's an actor that I really warm to. It's like everything he's in, mm-hmm. uh, even the small role in Invisible Man. He, he played it really well. So yeah, mm-hmm. I'd like to see more of him. Definitely, especially when he's invisible, you don't get to see a lot of him. So. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. And in this, he was basically a supporting player, a very critical one, but he's not like on the screen all the time. So he's just in windows looking creepy. (laughs) But he's good otherwise, too. I mean, there's a there's one shot of him. I think there's there's shots like this that I always judge actors by a lot of time. I mean, a lot of characters have the big freak out scene, which a lot of people say, wow, he's really good actor. Look at him. He's freaking out. But there's. But to me, a, a ju- I sometimes judge acting and acting ability and a, the depth of someone's connection to their character by how they do the little scenes, the really little moments, you know, those uh, even without dialogue. Mm-hmm. And there was one shot of him where he where it was sort of. I think it was during the scene where the, the cake batter tasting scene that that he blew yeah. up about. <laughs> so There's the shot of him. He's just sort of, you know, leaning against the 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 stove or something and he's standing there smoking a cigarette and those are moments when i think an actor it kind of it kind of tells you how good they are if they can do a scene where he's just basically standing there watching and you know what he's thinking you can see this sort of seething something welling up in him yeah. in his eyes and to me that's that is a, a that's a difficult thing to do for an actor you know i'm always impressed by those things like it's I'm especially impressive because he wasn't even the center of the scene right. he was sort of in the background and you could still tell what was going on with that guy watching he, like was, he was almost like he's the outsider he's watching this happen and he is not happy about it but he's not even moving he's just standing and staring and you just know he's just like Piss. he wasn't doing or yeah. saying anything in that scene the other actors were saying and doing all the business but he was sitting there but the scene was about him 
it was yes, pretty it cool. Was. Yeah, <laughs> it was so well done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's All good right. action. All right, yeah. the haunting of Bly Manor on available Netflix. on Netflix. Yeah, for free. Mike Flanagan, one of our favorites. <laughs> yep. Yes, yes, he is. <laughs> always looking for Flanagan. Yep. Glorious Flanagan. <laughs> the glorious Flanagan. So shall we? Shall we bag this and hang it up and whatever they say, whatever the kids <laughs> put say it in, in the attic. Now, put it in the attic and let's tuck it away. It. We're tucking it away. Wrap it up and throw it in the lake. <laughs> Maybe you don't know what tucking away means yet. <laughs> oh, tucking in. You will soon. Eating, right? Oh, interesting. You will soon. We're gonna tuck it away. We're tucking away this episode, everyone. <laughs> Join us later when you're cool, tucked man. away. Kathy, you know so much, you secret. I love knowing everything. <laughs> Burke and I know. <laughs> I, know I know, but I, I envy you that you're about to all be revealed. Oh. Well, also check us out, please, on social media at hashtag CinemondoPod on Twitter and then CinemondoPodcast.com and uh, send us suggestions for movies or TV shows to watch. We'll read every piece of email and uh, maybe we'll do an episode based on what you write in. So, um, right. And make sure you um, go to our YouTube channel and subscribe because we're just about to unload a bunch of content. We're getting into the YouTube game, people. And check out our... It's, so, tw- it's 2020, people. <laughs> we're finally, two years later, we're doing videos. <laughs> check out our Star Trek podcast, too. We do another whole other Look podcast. Look Star, yeah, Star, Star Trek podcast. Definitely listen to Star that. Star Wars or something. Star Pods, Star, Star whatever. Star Pods. Did Mark Flanagan do... Oh, <laughs> Mark Flanagan. Mark Flanagan. Mark Flanagan. <laughs> Star Trek. I'm not good with names. <laughs> Mark Glorious Flanagan directed Flanagan. Star Trek, right? <laughs> Star Trek. And you can get, you know, you can always um, send us in recommendations and stuff, and you get a hologram sticker. If you want to give us your address, we can send you a sticker. <laughs> if you trust us. <laughs> we're, we're very honest engines. We're very honest movie fans. Yeah. We don't leave our house. We just watch movies. Yeah. <laughs> we're good. Sad but true. <laughs> All, right. All right, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening. Take care now. Cinemondo, signing off. 